couch. Half of a mongrel and mystical team, dealing this treacherous thing. Legend says L is a spawn out of hell. The myth is my mama's a murderous queen. Yo, I can eat like in Godfather 1. You get the gun as I christen my son. If I die today in this hell, I should pay. Tell the Lord Mike, he said, fuck, it was fun. Every new rack is my ticket. All right, we're back once again, folks, live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, what's up? And welcome back to How You Living. Live once again from the Chaz Tower, the Million Dollar Studios, here to bring you the woke news from the woke topics to the bottom of the top of the bottom of the top, because that's where we're at with 45 at top. Uh, so uh, we always start this show with a segment. We take a moment to look back at the episodes we've done in the past, and that segment is... Coca-Cola callbacks. Yeah. And so with callbacks, we're going to be calling back episodes that we've uh, talked about before. And in this case, I would say uh, immediately, uh, I would say the kind of callback is the Trump administration is beginning to crumble again. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And the firings have begun and the uh, retirings and all of it is combined and uh, and we're now back at square one with will he fire Mueller? Yeah, there's uh, some protest set up if that's gonna happen because you know that would definitely mean, or at least that would be definitely indicative of that uh, there was some collusion going on that he doesn't want people to know about. Right, right. Which yeah, and the and it, I guess the Russian thing is becoming the biggest topic of the Trump presidency and I've said in different episodes that we needed to kind of move past it cuz it was looking like it was a dead end but every time we unravel more about it it seems kind of like this is probably the watergate and we're just kind of building the case now yeah so yeah I say unravel away and uh we definitely need protection for Mueller so hopefully uh Congress gets to working on that and I, I think if they don't, if he is fired, then I think that'll definitely help in November for the Democratic candidates. Oh, for sure. Uh, for people who are actually recognizing uh, the freedoms getting taken away, you know, of the press, of uh, the right to investigate crimes committed by the people who represent us. Right. Uh, the, the right to not conduct, uh, you know, foreign other agents in your election strategies. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, pretty common, uh, what I thought was common sense, obviously more and more that is becoming a, a non-existent element anymore. Common sense doesn't exist, I guess. It's kind of, uh, the new era, but, uh, yeah, I think common sense has become very regional. Yeah. Uh, but that, I guess, I guess that's kind of the callback is to previous episodes where we've discussed, uh, specific people's firing and this week with, uh, I guess Andrew McCabe would, oh, yeah. would be the most recent, uh, and he was, uh, a, a Comey affiliated, uh, FBI hire who was actually days away from retirement. Two days away. He was going to get it on Sunday, fired Friday. Yeah. And so, um, Yeah. You know, the Trump the you know, Trump continues to uh bully people who have any opinion against his or shares the common good of looking into uh previous problems and crimes that he's probably committed or at least been aware of. So yeah. Uh forty five in hot water per the huge. 
Uh, what callbacks uh, have you thought of in the last couple weeks since we went on the air? Uh, I just kind of want to call back to Parkland because we're a week away from the March for Our Lives next uh, next Saturday, March 24th. But I was also listening to some of my podcasts and definitely talking about a few things. One, uh, maybe not a lot of people may feel like they want to march on that day, but they were. I was listening to Pantsuit Politics and they were talking about like maybe you're a letter writer or... Maybe there's other ways you can be civically active if it's not a part of this march or if they weren't a part of the walkout. So I was talking about that. And also, since we give a lot of shine to the kids who did the uh, the walkout stuff, uh, still to give shine to like Black Lives Matter, which still has a lot of teenagers in it, and definitely how gun violence can affect teens uh, in black neighborhoods and everything like that. So... And how they're just like, well, we've been out here for years. And y'all have just been like, no, nah, we don't see you. But in Parkland Happens, we're like, we see you. So, you know, how that goes. And, but then other than that. Yeah. I mean, what, so what is your opinion? Okay. Uh, I, I mean, not that you can remove it from the actual framework because it's all relative to our lives. Mm-hmm. But outside of the racial framework and the kind of antithesis of it to Black Lives Matter, uh, what do you feel about the walkout as the movement that it was. Oh no, it's fine. And I totally get it. And, and I mean, it, it's an, it was an interesting statement because it, I mean, it, it kind of crossed, uh, pretty much almost every grade level to, mm-hmm. s- to some extent. Kindergartners up to like, uh, up to college, uh, left out and I have friends who are teachers and I have friends who work at universities. And for the most part, or well, at least on my end, anecdotally, they all supported, the students doing it but then you've heard stories of different people saying like i don't want my child to be a part of this there's been teachers especially in georgia it would seem like after the aftermath of all that there was a lot of reporting from georgia of them saying no you can't do that and then there was a meme that was floating around about some kids who had a choice between suspension and corporal punishment for violating uh the rules so they chose corporal punishment <laughs> And yeah, I know. It's 2018, and schools still use corporal punishment. But I digress. Oh my god! <laughs> and oh my god! Wow. Okay. Well. Um. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's an in-depth top topic, and we'll definitely explore it more probably in the days before or after the uh, the March for Our Lives. Yeah, March for Our Lives. And um, maybe it'll kind of give us a different perspective on, you know, where we're at with the movement. See mm-hmm. if it can evolve, if it can be more inclusive, if it can kind of, you know, make a statement towards the, you know, predecessing movements, mm-hmm. you know, that it's following in. Uh, and uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, I guess that would sum up our callback segment and enter us into uh, the episode. And this week it is episode fifty-one. Woohoo! Yeah, we're st- we're a, we're a silver fox now at fifty-one. We're you know we're in the club. You know, we're in club med, yo. Yeah, yeah. We're buying our own drinks, but we're mingling. We're talking. You know. We've been flying first class for about six months now. Right. So I'm starting to get leather leather skin a little bit. A little bit. Little Spending bit. so much time in the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Your most recent photos, your top 20 photos on your phone, one includes a tortoise. Because <laughs> you've been somewhere where tortoises are present mm-hmm. just that recently. You know, that's that's 51. You know, that's what we're shooting for. <laughs> that's our dream. Uh, but yeah, here we are. Um, and, uh, what's the topic, uh, to start us off, Chaz, where are we, uh, 
at looking at this week and uh should we go straight into our uh America segment? Yeah, the street of America. Of America. And within it, we have a crowd favorite. Bill Watch. That's right, Bill Watch, folks. Uh, and uh, Chaz, it looks like you've got one loaded up there. What's what's a current uh, uh, bill moving through Congress that we uh, should take a look at? Definitely because of all the Parkland stuff, just like usually because we piggyback off of our callbacks into Bill Watch just a little bit. Um, just wanted to reiterate again, the assault weapons ban, um, definitely because like down in Tallahassee after Parkland happened, Tallahassee lawmakers, uh, in Florida, didn't really want to do anything specific towards like assault, um, banning assault weapons and everything of that sort. And, and so I just want people to go through and read, uh, HR 50587. Uh, because I know there there's folks on my pages on social media and stuff who are very uh, staunch supporters of gun rights, and there's people who are staunchly against it, and they're always button heads against each other. Right. Uh, and especially... So they should familiar, familiarize themselves with the legislation that we currently have, because that, that would be like a legal explanation of uh, how we're going to approach this as mm-hmm. a solution, you know. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, and the language obviously isn't necessarily everything that we would want. Uh, it's probably yielding to the idea that it has to get some uh, Republican support. And uh, and so as this is probably headed by uh, several Democratic leaders, uh, it's going to be kind of angled in a way that can get passage. So, uh, you know, there's going to be things limiting uh, about it. It may not go as far as some people would want, but, uh, you know, you have to you have to kind of look at the landscape of of the legislation, especially in today's legislation where, you know, deadlock is kind of the norm mm-hmm. and you're not going to get the votes. Uh, you're not going to get participation. So uh, hopefully they can get it passed and then hopefully we can change that dynamic in November and if there are any additional kind of tweaks to it that we need to make, we can always approach it in amendments and, and changes to it that way. So, yeah, uh, HR uh, 5087. Yeah. <clears throat> I wanted to read off some of because I know there, there's been a really big gripe around folks saying uh, that a lot of lawmakers and folks who are making the laws don't understand the technicalities of what they're voting on and folks who are in the guns. And when you say like magazine versus clip or maybe they say assault style weapon or and since that doesn't have an actual meaning, I just want to read off a couple of things so any listeners could write to us or uh, hashtag uh, Bill Watch to us on Twitter and say, no, they don't have that right that way because, you know, they represent us. So we should be able to critique the bills that they want to put into law and if you're knowledgeable about this, you can probably do this better than other people can. But also folks who want to be able to make sure like what they're feeling and if that seems plausible, then you can start at least having a conversation over a central subject, which is legislation, which is ultimately what needs to happen for it to make a big change in our society. So, yeah. And, and you know, the the current climate has always just kind of left it as is. So. It's going to take some pushing and it's going to take some clear public support 
and possibly some attendance to additional town hall meetings while this is going through processing and and telling them directly, your representatives that can vote on this, uh, your support for it. No matter your district, whatever color it is, you know, uh, mm-hmm. stand up for, for your right to be protected and be safe from violence from guns. And uh, and that's, that's how these things are going to pass because ultimately uh, we do hold the power in the vote. And and we can be change makers. We don't have to always agree, and we don't have to always support each other's individual ideas. But we can definitely start yielding to the ideas that we know that it's it's killing Americans and it's unsafe. And uh, you know, this this should be a, a slam dunk as far as legislation. You know, given our our past. But you know, uh, the interests of the people that are holding it back. Mm-hmm. need to be checked and uh and they've had a lot of power and a lot of sway for a long time and they've convinced a lot of people and uh you know it's a very emotional appeal it's similar to the kind of trump ism that we're seeing right now mm-hmm. with the nra and the and the focus on second amendment rights they always reference it as second amendment rights you know and uh it's it's beyond that you know, it's about it's about community and neighborhood rights. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, safety in uh, schools rights. It's about um, not needing that type of weaponry in our citizenry, you know. For so, sure. yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And uh, yeah, it's a long time coming. You know, this isn't a problem that just sprung up. And, 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 you know, I'm not saying we have to play the blame game once we get this stuff passed, but we do have to start looking at why we ignore the problems that we ignore, mm-hmm. you know, instead of uh, applying, you know, solutions and change at the times when we when we know that there's a uh, a sway not only in public opinion, but in our own, you know, just kind of morals uh, that, you know, people are dying or people are getting hurt or people are getting misrepresented or people are getting you know, undervalued and, uh, and, you know, we'll see it. We'll talk about it. It'll make news headlines and then nothing gets done, you know, and, uh, and we need to make sure that we can start, you know, changing that tide and actually getting some of these legislations through. Yeah. So just to give people a sort of, uh, idea what's in the bill. So in section two, which is definitions and, uh, and uh, under, I guess it's section 36, it says the term semi-automatic weapons means any of the following, regardless of country or, or of manufacturer or caliber ammunition accepted. A semi-automatic rifle has the capacity to accept a detachable magazine and any one of the following, a pistol grip, a forward grip, a folding telescoping dist- uh, detachable stock, a grenade launcher, a rocket launcher, a barrel shroud, and a threaded barrel. And then they go on to say that a semi-automatic pistol can have basically the same things. Uh, but, well, it says a threaded barrel, a second pistol grip, a, a barrel shroud. And it also goes in to say a semi-automatic shotgun can have a folding telescopic detachable stock, a pistol grip, fixed magazine with the capacity to accept more than five rounds, and everything as such. And then they go in to start talking about all sorts of uh, different gun models that are out there. 
that would be banned. And the AR-15 is the second one listed in Section II for all AR types, including the following is AR-10, AR-15, and then it goes on and so on. So if you want to read that the rest of that document, especially those who feel like they might be overstepping their bounds, uh, yeah, let us know. Yeah, so... Uh... No more rocket launchers, guys. I'm sorry. I know you were the coolest kid on the block, but uh, <laughs> you're going to have to uh, celebrate that in uh, international waters or something. Uh, no more in the community. Uh, yeah, so uh, looking forward in uh, our you know, uh, look into America, uh, what do you think about our current kind of Trump uh, – dissolving of the uh institutions that we've come to love and support our daily lives i think that was the plan all along yeah honestly i mean like when you put the voss in uh education when you put ben carson in hud especially it's blatant when you put scott pruitt in charge of the epa right like you knew you were trying to dismantle the epa but at least with the e- epa we could uh, you sort of understood where he was coming from He's saying the folks who really make a lot of money doing this work that is eventually destroying the earth who wants to get put back to work. And what's impeding them is regulations that are done because we understand how much it is destroying the earth and we don't want to do that. So yeah. we've regulated in a way so we don't do that. But then Scott Pru is like, no, nah, fuck you, dog. Like, I want to fuck up the earth. Why you stop me from fucking <laughs> up the earth? Right? That's, that's my thing. I mean, just be, I mean, who the fuck cares if we fuck up the earth? We got people jobs, dog. Like, you know, they got families to feed, right? They got families to feed, fam. What, what, you don't want people to feed their families? Yeah, fuck Earth, feed families. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Earth, feed families. I want that t-shirt, man. <laughs> fuck Earth, feed families. I mean, that's that's like, uh, that goes back to Nelson with Nuke the Whales. And Lisa's like, Nuke the Whales? And Nelson says, you gotta nuke something. <laughs> and Lisa says, touche. Because it's kind of funny, you know. We are we are developing, you know, armaments that ultimately, you know, uh, it's like it is becoming the gun in the first act. You know, if you have a gun in the first act, it better go off by the third. Oh yeah, oh you yeah, know. that's a trope whose name is escaping me. Chekhov's gun. That's right. Yeah, and so. Uh, you know, we're kind of setting up our world right now with you know the posturing of of. Russia and kind of the whatever's happening in Syria. It's like mm-hmm. so complicated and so many countries are involved at this point and there's so much tragedy and loss and uh, just territory and riches being kind of dismantled and I don't know what's going on there. But uh, with, with kind of this, this situation that we have, it's like we have these stockpiles of these nuclear weapons sitting everywhere <laughs> And ultimately, some amount of strife or some amount of, like, you know, world conflict could push a nation to choose to use that technology. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm actually terribly not worried about that, but I'm more worried and concerned about the subtleties uh, that a president used to need to deal with that Trump definitely isn't dealing with. And I think an example of this is I heard a story recently of... uh, there is like a global trade thing going on and where like some of the uh like newer developing nations like brazil and india were meeting with china in secret 
And it, this was definitely on a podcast. I was talking about how Rex Tillerson's State Department has been just totally underdeveloped. And for it to be underdeveloped, they're not able to catch maybe if there's secret dealings between nations that we're not a part of. And definitely, like, that's where that America First thing kind of uh, gets in the way. So I I would say I was, like, a little bit concerned about, like, how did our lack of a State Department get us into situations that we might have caught before? Because we didn't even touch on that, that Tillerson's out. Yeah. You know, I mean, and he's out and he's talking. Yeah, you know he he he's pissed off. He doesn't like to the to be offended like that. To be, you know, eighty sixth on a tweet and, while on the toilet, and he said something about um, Russia. You know, being involved in the in the poisoning in the UK, uh, and you know we can't necessarily say that's why Jeff Sessions fired him and that Trump gave the order. But I mean, it's pretty clear that. Trump gave the order and Jeff Sessions fired him, but uh, you know we, it you know it's it's weird that now Rex Tillerson to some degree, you know seems like a reasonable person. It's like any amount of space these like what we would normally consider pretty horrible people. I mean he worked with Exxon Mobil and made deals in Saudi Arabia that -hmm. are kind of backhanded. He also met with. I believe the Syria. I think he's met with Putin, and I think he might even met with uh, the guy in in Syria, Assad. But uh, yeah, so Tillerson's kind of, I mean, a, an interesting guy. Uh, but he's almost looks good now that he's getting out of the sphere of Trump. It's almost like getting away from Trump like cleans you. You know, like I could see a Sean Spicer on the Tonight Show this week, and I I would probably watch it. I'd be like, ha. How's he doing, man? That guy was crazy. He was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, they they always fail up it seems like. So Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's their biggest thing is to get away from the guy, you know? Mhm. I mean, Omarosa made it on Big Brother. <laughs> I mean, but Omarosa like <laughs> yeah. Omarosa was is always a reality star. Like yeah. she never won on uh, a season of The Apprentice and she's been on 3. Though her original one, an All Stars one, and then a celebrity one. I think she won the first one that <coughs> she was on. No, she's never won any of them. I think she. Won. I've watched The Apprentice. Yeah, I, I think can she tell won you. the first one, and that's where she got the. Yeah, I think she won. Uh, we can look this up because yeah. Omarosa ain't shit. Yeah, I think that's where the name came. I think she was. She got a job with Trump because of the, uh, the win, uh, in one episode, one season. Uh, but outside of that, you know, uh, Rex Tillerson's out, uh, Andy uh, McCabe's out, uh, you know, Omarosa's out, she's in the Big Brother house, uh, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking at a, at a pretty crazy last half of 2018, and, uh, we're, we're hoping that we can get some momentum running in the Democrats, which brings up a little bit of good news. Uh, of course, coming out of Pennsylvania, uh, we got a special election win by a Connor Lamb, uh, who's 33 and is going to be representing uh, a district in Pennsylvania that Trump won by over 20 points. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that is definitely another big indicator, similar to the win in Alabama in a special election earlier. Uh, for sure of some changing tides some republican districts going going in a different direction 
maybe, you know, if, if the Democrats can, you know, get a real idea of who they are, what their statements are, kind of get this motion going and get together and actually get some of these projects they're pitching to these voters done, you know, we can be the uh, party of doing, you know, and getting things done uh, like we always want to be, but we seem to get kind of railroaded by, you know, different opinions in Congress typically. So, yeah, I we we definitely been seeing a blue wave. I I definitely want to hear more cuz I'm still not sure how the progressive blues and the neoliberal blues are still associating with each other, especially when it comes down to these elections and that was uh yeah, Connor Lamb was in Pennsylvania and it was definitely like you said in a uh Trump heavy district, so we don't get to see that fight there. But I'll definitely be interested to see what's gonna happen in say like Massachusetts or Connecticut or, you know, maybe more of the more liberal metropolitan areas where, you know, you might see blue on blue action that is heated because it's it's gonna be, you know, those who believe in neoliberalism and in the economy and and everything like that and it's doing well or something versus those who are like, no, the economy is shit. Do something about it, please. So I'm interested to see how those races go. Yeah. And, and who and who wins and who will coalesce around them when it comes to the general. Yeah. There there is a bit of a movement and statement of of kind of anti Pelosiism coming from some of these Democrats running in these Republican districts. Yeah. Um, and it, it's kind of unfortunate to throw her under the bus, given her track record as a leader. Um, she's always been a kind of identified as this, like, uh, you know, antichrist to the conservative agenda. But, um, you know, she's really just a, a good representative of her district in California. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, I guess she's, a, uh, yeah, she's house. So, yeah, district. And, uh, and, and that, you know, it, because she's the face, she gets a lot of the blame. It reminds me of how Hillary's treated as a, uh, secretary of state, you know, no matter what secretaries of state never get treated the way she's gone through the press. That's true. You know, and, uh, and, and you can name a bunch of, uh, historical people who were secretary of state that had all kinds of atrocities that were occurred under their watch. Like Colin Powell? Well, yeah, just, <laughs> just to name a predecessor of hers, uh, an immediate, pretty much. So, yeah, no, it's 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 a uh, it's an ongoing issue with how certain people and representatives, and at, and at this point in time, I would I would even go as far as to say women in positions of power and leadership roles of getting identified with any amount of negative. Uh, publicity possible and not really given a, a the same type of uh, collegial uh, fraternal uh, uh, buddyship that these organizations have been notorious for for mm-hmm. uh, you know centuries and uh, and so what I want to say is it, I hope the Democrats can realize that as long as she's serving her district well she she deserves to be there and they they can't really run just to try and win votes. They can't really run on an anti Pelosi ticket. That's not really fair to your party, given uh, your history and the things that she stood up for and fought for that were passed under a previous administration. And despite it being dismantled now by a lunatic, uh, that doesn't make their hard work uh, for naught. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I am I'm seeing a little bit of that rhetoric coming out of these districts, and and I'm kind of hoping that that can can change because uh, it's not Hillary's fault that we were in uh, Libya. It's not uh, you know Nancy Pelosi's fault that you know the health care bill uh, wasn't the way the Republicans wanted it to be. You know, so oh no, for sure. Yeah, I part of me wonders how much of that is from her being a woman, and how much how much of that has been being like from the California. old the old guard the Democrat. Yeah, and I I kind of see like I hate it that uh, Hillary and her get it because they're women and that shouldn't happen. But I also feel like the critiques from the old hat of the Democrats do deserve critiques to some degree. So it's I I kind of like I don't. Well, the one want to say take it with a grain of salt, but want to take both sides into consideration and kind of suss out, take out the stuff they're saying because they're women, but make sure you understand the things they're saying because they're old, uh, like the old views of de- the Democrats don't work in some cases in 2018, and that deserves critique. And I do know some of the people who are running, like I think down in Texas, the the D triple C actually voted against their own because they had more progressive values than traditional democratic values, but they still are running the democratic ticket in the, the general. So there, there is some overlap there that I feel shouldn't go understated because it's kind of the reason why people are being so loud about it these days. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's fine. It's just, it's hard. It's hard to lead. It's hard to do, uh, good legislation, and uh, I don't think the smear campaign mudslinging of previous generations is necessary before these people serve. Mm. Um, they they will find themselves in the same trenches and being held to the same microscope, uh, and will will start to notice the nuances of the job that they've just uh, ran for. For sure, it's the reason why we have trouble getting. Uh, real smart talented candidates running for these things uh it's because it's too much of a fishbowl it's because there's not really any decision making happening it's a lot of committees and handshakes and deals and it's frustrating for people that are used to either a getting their way or b having the best idea in the room because the best idea doesn't always win out in congress yeah and so uh it's a bad landscape for that and so what we get is we get a lot of law professors we get a lot of people uh, you know, smart in, in the legal world because they're used to arguing their points <coughs> and in a fashion that they're willing to maybe argue strong enough against other people who are paid to basically argue against them. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, you know, it'd be great to have like an Elon Musk once in a while run or, you know, if Steve Jobs had felt it necessary to run when he was running Apple as a, as a leadership both for his community and the company. You know, and and maybe that's not maybe it's not business leaders. Maybe it's, you know, other types of leaders. But I do feel like there's a whole gamut of people that aren't considering, uh, you know, civil servants uh, as as an option for them. That would be um, would be great and would maybe kind of shake this up as well. Not just saying that some of this young blood is different than the previous and it's going to fix everything. Also, let's start getting new voices in there. Because I, I, I haven't looked too much into Connor Lamb, but I bet he has a law background. Mm. I, I mean, to some degree. No, we can always check. Yeah, we can uh, we can find that out. And, I, and you know, 
Pennsylvania, you're from there. Uh, it's a it's a dynamic and interesting and evolving state. You know, I mean, uh, you know, on the heels of a of a Super Bowl win and uh, as well as you know having Title City in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, there's a lot of attention paid to. Uh, so, what's his background? He's a federal prosecutor. Okay. <laughs> legal background right yeah all right you know so there you go uh but you know and, and I, I don't and it's not even like an i told you so it's just you know that's just it's just fucking the way it is no 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 <laughs> no neil degrasse tyson commented once like where are the the doctors where are the scientists where are the mathematicians where are the you know physicists yeah. and there are some folks who are running out there from those professions in pe- in places that because you know you need that diverse mindset in there so you can attack every single problem from every single angle that you can and yeah you do get a little myopic and a little uh, narrow minded when you only attack things from like a legislative uh slant or a scientific slant or you know an ethical slant however whatever slant that is so if you have different slants then you know Maybe you can have a scatter plot. Wait, wait, that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can get a group of people together in the hot sun in Philadelphia, you know, and have them argue in a farmhouse for a week after traveling several days and some people up to a week to get there and argue about not going to war or going to war with a foreign nation that's uh-huh. been invading their lives through tariffs and taxes and support for foreign wars they haven't been a part of in almost a generation and you wonder how angry it would make you well it make you so angry that you sign that document and even though it isn't perfect you go to war you know and later mm-hmm. you know that continental congress you know is formed into something bigger and greater <laughs> and becomes the congress we know today and so you know let let us not forget how hard it was then that it was be just as hard now you know so we need to take it as seriously and and send the people that are willing to fight uh the real battle for the people and not just for the interests and not just for the um super wealthy and not just for the uh you know legal minded you know as you're saying with a little more influence from uh separate avenues of thought you know where are the electricians where are the plumbers you know mm-hmm. you know all of them you know we need them when we need them and then we sh- shoo them aside when uh you know they could they can get something done in their community yeah yeah the, and that's the definitely the the interesting thing about philadelphia from a class dynamic and because like like most states as we've stated before on the show are purple and that purpleness is the countryside is red and metropolitan areas are blue and for the most part that's how philadelphia rolled uh but that was definitely back then when democrats were more into supporting blue collar um, and like unionized sort of things and how kind of they've been drifting away from that in a few years. And it didn't actually surprise me that Philadelphia went for Trump because there is definitely like, if you go to Philadelphia and you go to a blue collar part of the city and you really get them talking about like their economic value and how they are treated in the city itself, they'll tell you how much they fucking hate yuppies. Right. And this is anecdotal, but my friends who came from those families definitely were like, I fucking hate yuppies. And I went to school with kids who you would consider yuppies. And and the older I get now, I get where they're coming from. Before I was like, what the hell are you angry about? Right. But now 
I get what they're angry about. And and I think that's kind of where like certain progressive slants uh, come into play. I think that's where why Bernie was a big deal. Um, but I can also now see the clashes of people like the neoliberals or, or the people that I went to private school with. And some progressive folks are some of the folks who are blue collar and wanted to see change. But since like that straight talk is what they go for, because you talk to them, it ain't no big words. It ain't, you know, it ain't talented intellectual. It's like, yo, I'm going to say what's on my mind. Fuck you if you give a shit. And, you know, that straight shooting talk from Trump easily means like, no, he's talking like us. He knows not how we are. So, yeah, if we think we're going to get the best thing for us, we're going to switch over to Trump. Bada bing. Wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was. <laughs> Bada bing. Oh, man. Well, to steer us in a different direction, as I try to do every once in a while, uh, I want to talk to everyone who needs to be consoled about having their bracket busted. Uh, if you were like me and you like watching the NCAA men's basketball tournament as well as the NCAA women's basketball tournament, which is also happening, which had a lot more Pac-12 representation, so I've been keeping an eye on that one. Uh, the Pac-12 did terrible in the men's uh, basketball tourney as... Uh, they lost out, and they, for the first time, didn't make the second round. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it was uh, it was bad. But so now, everyone else, let's calm down. Our brackets are busted. Let's let our blood no longer boil. And let's talk about the greatness that is these basketball tournaments, the men and women's uh, college basketball bracket tourneys that we have that we call and coalesce in March Madness. Uh, we have this opportunity where schools from all over get a, a uh, the the closest thing to a playoff uh, where they're going to be able to go up against what is considered the top 64 additional teams, 68 if you include the play-in games. Play-in and games? There are the first four, and those are the first four teams that play their way in to either be the lowest seeds or be um, selected seeds within. So in oh. this year it was a... 11 seeds so two 11 seeds play to be one of the 11 seeds in the tournament and then another one two uh 16 seeds play oh, okay and then they play to be the the last team in is that because their uh records are so close to each other that the only way to decide it is with a, a game off bubble yeah okay the bubble the bubble of the bubble so there's the bubble just behind them, which is the teams that didn't make it. They were on the bubble. Mm-hmm. And they didn't quite make it in. They didn't break through. Those teams, what we call the first four, they've considered to be have broken through. They're part of the tournament. But they're in the play-in games because it's really the 64 that everyone kind of breaks down. They have the brackets. They do the office pools. You know, you know, Janet collects the money. You know, everyone's going to be paid the first Tuesday after the last game. You mm-hmm. know, it's always a deal. So what I want to talk about, though, is the fact that uh, this tournament finally, on the men's side, gave a 16 seed a victory over a one. And I want to just kind of add that to the lexicon of this podcast as kind of an element of the David and Goliathness of uh, both this college athletic sport and our day-to-day activities trying to kind of make it or break it in this world of life that we, we kind of find ourselves in. And I want to kind of take stock in the fact that the seeding, the idea that these teams spend the rest of the season playing amongst each other at different levels, having different conferences, giving them different weights to the amount of uh, difficulty of the year they had. And then they have tournaments oftentimes for the different groups to play at the end of the year to kind of seed within the 
um, the brackets of the of the conferences. And so all those things come together and they build this program where multiple cities are going to hold these teams uh, as guests while they play in this tournament. Mm-hmm. And so it brings uh, fandom to towns and cities that we don't hear a lot about. Boise is hosting one of the uh, events this year. You know, uh, Nashville was hosting some of the events this year. So uh, it brings together this idea of this kind of national pastime that we're used to with, with baseball World Series and, and things that like that. And it also brings together this idea of of being told that you're you're not quite as good as somebody else. And and that has this weird kind of reverse motivation factor to it that I think we all kind of need to recognize in our own lives once in a while when we feel like we're the 16 seed. You know, that instead of going at it like, you know, 135 times since 1985, a 16 seed has played a game against a one seed. And at all of those times, the 16 seed came up short and lost the game. Mm-hmm. And, and so to be that 136 team, to approach it that we approach in our lives, every difficult obstacle that we may have approached before and we may have seen before and it's tripped us up before, to approach it as that 136th game, where in this particular case, you know, the 16 seed came together, rallied, took big shots, made big shots and big moments, and and held the lead long enough to win the game. And for one in 136, we go into next year, you know, with the 16 seeds being, you know, eligible again. And so what I just want to say is that there's this weird kind of thing that I love when I watch sports that I kind of notice and I, and I see in things like 30 for 30 documentaries. And I think we're becoming more aware of this. But this idea of the humanity that's occurring within sports and sports franchises and things that I actually do enjoy and the community effort that's going on and the life applicable kind of moral tale. Uh, and, and I'm noticing specifically in this year, uh, a lot of the higher seeds have been winning. And so kind of we're entering an era now where no matter where you're ranked in the NCAA tournament, as long as you bring your A game, you can win and get to the final four. Oh yeah, of course. And actually play for a title. And so, uh, I, I just want to kind of leave that as our kind of like break moment in, uh, in our, in our world of Trump and, and Rex Tillerson's and, uh, and North Korea and in Russia and now Russia hosting a world cup. We're going to hear all bunch about Russia in a couple months. Oh yeah. And so, uh, you know, all that, I want to take that and just look at what we're doing. And even though your bracket's busted, the NCAA tournament represents something pretty great. And that's that we can be that 16 seed and we can avenge our ranking and actually come up winners both in life and in the tournament. And next year, you won't feel so crazy if you put one of those 16 seeds into the second round. All right, guys, that's been Mikhail's Corner, guys. It's been pretty great. It's been pretty great. No, that, that's that was it for my, my diatribe into uh, – uh, into sports and into uh, the uh, you know escape from what we uh, we typically discuss. Uh, back at hand, uh, what final kind of thoughts do you have to uh, leave our listeners in a in a place of uh, good spirit and awakening? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, keep on like thinking about the underdog thing because uh, it's a tournament, and when it play- basically boils down to any tournament, like. 
tournaments never decide who the best is. I mean, that's what you would like to think, but, you know, anything can happen during any part of the tournament. And you're only going up against people in your particular division. So I always say, like, no matter how good you are, like, do your research on the other team. Like, you got to know how they play. You got to know if they, like, in basketball, is it man-to-man? Is it zone? Right? Like, who's their, like, who do they score? Or or who do they give the ball to the most? Who's their maximum score? Who gets their most rebounds? Right? Who who do you need to dominate against in order to control the game? Right? And I think anybody who looks at the game intelligently can take what they lack in maybe skill and athleticism and heighten that up with a little bit of intellect. And you might see a better chance of 16 seeds or 15 seeds and 14 seeds going to like the final four because they do stuff like that. And so if the one seed is getting that job you've been trying to get for so long and the 16 seed is you always bringing the same photocopied one that you actually spilled ketchup on the first time when you got it photocopied, but you didn't think it really mattered. But by this point, you feel like giving it to places like this. It does matter. By spending a little time getting that new resume, maybe talking to a friend that's got some good ideas on references and how you should build it, and then going to that you know one seed job interview mm-hmm. with uh, your your normally sixteen seed resume in hand, but with that one seed mentality, and and you too can uh, can 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 win and prevail, and use your uh, your film study logic, you know, where you apply apply some effort. Mm-hmm. in the pregame yeah and you can expect better results in the game yep exactly exactly he got game she got game we got game <laughs> from the movie he got game uh which was about basketball yeah yeah uh i think we've uh we've managed to make it mostly through uh an evening of discussion at how you live in uh t- i mean as always you can uh you can reach me directly on the twitter sphere uh i'll keep an eye out for you to go hashtag bill watch maybe you'll take it over uh i drop a hashtag hyl every once in a while for how you live in uh maybe throw that in uh and hit me up at Seatown mayor because uh, i'm the assistant for your minis- municipality by the sea i almost got it right and uh and i'm here to help uh currently residing in seattle so the 206 sweet i just want to say there's another podcast out there called so uh, how you live in and we say so what's up right yeah (laughs) so you know look it up check them out i haven't listened to it yet but i kind of want to it's funny i just thought it was interesting that there is a podcast out there that has a similar name so instead of being like oh my god there's not class size i just want to be like yeah let's give them a little shine let's yeah let's see what they're about and so, of course, I can be seen at CRSII on Twitter and Chaz underscore Baz everywhere else. And make sure you send us things for Bill Watch. We definitely want to know what bills you think we need to watch out for. Or even more so, what bills, uh, what type of subject matter in the bills you want us to look out for. And if I didn't tell you last week, listen to uh, Radio Labs. Uh, presentation of more perfect uh about like guns and such that came out not too long ago uh or actually i think it came out last year but it went into like the birth of the nra as it is today and the black panthers and and how that's all intertwined with each other it's it's a really good listen yeah and uh you know look out for your next special election coming to a state or district near you 
Uh, oh yeah, the next ones are in May. Um, I don't know in what states, but I'll let y'all know next week. And uh, and keep track of that. Keep track of what's going on in whatever party you support. Uh, just recognize that we need to get enough voices going in the right direction so that we can stop start and moving in the right direction as opposed to whatever the hell is going on right now. It's chaos. It's crazy. And we're the American people. We can put a stop to it. Yeah. Woo woo. And. Uh, and with that, I say, oh, of, of course, hit us up on the email box at hylbox at gmail.com, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll respond to you, and we'll say, so what's up? <laughs> no, I don't know. I was trying to. So, uh, as always, Chaz, this has been fun, man. Oh, of course. Good seeing you, Mikkel. Good seeing you, and uh, we'll catch you all on the flip side. Of tomorrow. <laughs> Later. Counting down the days because I know we gotta die soon That just means I get to fly soon And I know I'm not the only one out here that's not afraid Alright, alrighty, well I'm finally on my way I know I can't fail if God tests in my face